0: Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stimme and Andy Blaker. How is it going today, Andy?
1: It's going well. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing well also. We are up to episode 17 of season two of Cheers. And this episode is titled Fortunes and Men's Weights, and it was written by Heidi Perlman, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired February 2nd, 1984. So the brief summary is that Coach has purchased a mysterious fortune-telling scale for the bar. Everyone that steps on the scale has a reckoning with his or her fortune and belief, or lack thereof, in the scale's powers of prediction. We begin with a teaser of Norm coming in, and he's dressed up a little bit more so than usual. And Cliff mentions this. Norm says he has a blind date and that a friend set him up. So everybody around the bar is discussing whether that is a wise idea or not and the, the drawbacks of having a blind date. You know, they kind of go through some of the things that people say, you know, to convince Norm that this would be an appealing person. And he says something about like he was told she's easy on the eyes and so forth. And they're kind of advising him about this. And Sam just kind of has this. I noticed that Sam was sort of smiling, so I thought that that was. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. I think that he's you know, interested in Norm being happy and whatnot. But I mean, that's just like a very brief little thing there. And then that's it. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. Carla has a funny line, though, when he says, you know, they, well, they describe this woman as easy on the eyes. She immediately says, you're a dead man, Norm. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that, that was, that's one. I liked good. her line on that.
0: Yeah, that's a good call yeah. out. So the teaser is kind of setting up the episode rather than being its own little independent story get into the episode first of all i always like to mention before kind of heading into the bar and when we get in the bar a delivery man is bringing in this huge crate and it turns out the coach has purchased something else for the bar without sam's consent so <laughs> as is his habit <laughs> yep so it's an antique scale and there's a whole thing about Like, you know, Coach is like, it doesn't look like it was described or whatever. Because it's just in a crate (laughs) rather than it being the actual scale. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like a little funny Coach bit between Coach and Sam. Because Coach swears he didn't order that. He'd actually ordered a scale.
1: The first, like, five minutes of this episode is just Coach, peak Coach eccentricity here. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's just him just, they just wrote this for him. And they said, you just go for it. And it's just like five minutes of him rambling and going on. I mean, and it's funny, but yeah. there's a lot to unpack here for him. Yeah.
0: yeah. The next part that I was thinking about that I have here is when coach is talking about how he couldn't resist the salesman. Was there anything mm-hmm. that you wanted to mention before that?
1: Uh, no, actually it, it pretty much starts there.
0: Probably. Okay. Cause yeah, aside from the part about him not understanding that the scale is inside the crate, I feel like the part mm-hmm. that's like, we really get into it. He couldn't resist the salesman. And yeah. He's discussing the the salesman in terms of historical figures, and he said something about like he had. What does he say? Something about his eyes, and he was dressed all in black and so forth. Well, maybe that was in a moment, but he says, you know, he's describing him in some pers- as this mysterious person. As this mysterious person, and he says that he reminded him of. I don't remember. He says a president, it was like the person that freed the slaves. Mm-hmm. And so Sam was like Abraham Lincoln. And coach says something else about like that little German man with the mustache. that and I don't remember what how else he describes him. What other you know descriptors? No, he that used. was
1: that was pretty much it. And, but and it's Sam, a, Sam just guessed bad Hitler. person. Yeah. And
0: Sam was like Adolf Hitler. And you know, and coach is so impressed. He says something about like don't play trivia with, with this guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So impressed with <laughs> Sam's guesses, you know. So the salesperson was a combination of Abraham Lincoln and Adolf Hitler. I thought that was hilarious. as you do, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what what
1: what would that even look like? You, I know, yeah,
0: I don't know. <laughs> right? I think that's a, a I think it's a funny juxtaposition, and the fact that Coach is not even putting putting that together makes it even funnier. Coach says that the salesman had deep eyes and was dressed all in black, and then Coach speaks with an accent, saying like, "This scale will not only tell you your weight; it will tell you your fortune, or something like that." Mm-hmm. So. Diane asked if he had an accent. Coach is like, no. So he's basically just like, coaches is enacting this accent just for fun and dramatic effect. Um, he says
1: he's just adding a little color. Yeah. <laughs> That's what <laughs> right, he says to Carla. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's
0: right. So they can't figure out what's going on or who the salesperson is from Coach's mm-hmm. description. Sam lets them open the crate. There's this whole joke with Norm saying he has a big date and... Essentially that he doesn't want to like, get all sweaty before this big date. So Diane helps him take his jacket off, you know, so he can work on opening this crate and his armpits are already just covered in sweat. So they no joke about. Yes. That. No.
1: Cliff, oh Cliff, I just got to read his line here. Okay. So he sees, you know, he he, you know, strips off the jacket and Cliff says, "We'll stop you before your shoes get squishy." Squishy? <laughs> <What? laughs> it's just so funny because yeah i mean they're they're like massive Strenched. down to his like midsection and it's yeah just all
0: but connecting awful yeah yeah <laughs> and then there's something else cliff says i didn't write this down but when he's talking about opening opening the crate in the like something not the axis of the fulcrum it was something like that yeah just i times. wrote
1: that it's something about the the middle the center the axis something of the fulcrum and i I, <laughs> I didn't back it up i should have backed it up to get the whole thing but i don't know it kind of had that whole Indiana Jones vibe. I'm not sure if that's what it's from. I have no idea. But just the way he delivered it, like it was this big mysterious artifact and he yes. was going to like unearth it and go archaeology on it. And uh-huh. yeah, I it was funny.
0: <laughs> right. They like required some special technique to open it. Exactly. It's a, it's a box. Yeah. Yeah. So then Diane wants to they, they get the scale out. Diane wants to keep the scale. And then Sam is saying that they have to keep it because the number of this mysterious salesman has been disconnected anyway. So he can't contact him so before he goes on his date norm gets on the scale and he gets a fortune your most troublesome problem will soon be solved <laughs> and then cliff has this line hey norm sounds like you're going to get a trim on the old antlers tonight yeah <laughs>
1: it's
0: <laughs> delivery, a good one it was funny that that delivery yeah. was
1: perfect mm-hmm. oh it's my. his voice yeah. It's John Ratzenberger's voice. It's like, you know, oh, you're going to get a little on the road. You know, it's yeah, that, like, it's that mm-hmm. whole... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it a little... Whole... every line so much better when he when he can deliver like that. It's oh, yeah. So... It's like elbowing somebody like, hey, hey, but it's in the voice instead of the elbow. Exactly. Exactly. He does it with his voice.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: exactly it.
0: So then Coach very genuinely asked Norm what his most troublesome problem is. <laughs> I really... I love this reply. Norm says... That he's overweight, unemployed, separated, depressed, and starting to drink too much. I guess my biggest problem is I've never been happier.
1: <laughs> yes, just... I wrote that. I wrote that <laughs> verbatim down because yeah. I wanted to. I wanted one of us to bring that up. That's mm-hmm. there's a lot to unpack here. The, the, okay. the one that I, um, the line I liked the best was, and and you can kind of see in his delivery, and I kind of expected a. Longer pause, maybe a, an audience round of laughter. But he says, starting to drink too much. Right. <laughs> he, he's starting. starting. He's That's just true. now tipping the scale on that, you know. Right. That's true. <laughs> it was just that knowing kind of, or unknowing, depending on how you look at it. But yeah, that was a that was a great line from him.
0: Yeah, because he just kind of slips that in, starting to drink too much. Like maybe just mm-hmm. in the past couple of days, he's had a few too many, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. He needs to take it back a notch, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I think the thing about never being I've never been happier saying all of this and then also that he's depressed but he's still just kind of okay with the way things are going. Yeah, which I like. I like Norm's philosophy on life because then he's just kind of like, okay, I'm going on this date now. You know,
1: yeah. all these awful things. We'll see what happens. There's nothing yeah.
0: good going on, but here we go. <laughs> he leaves and then Coach is excited about the scale. He says it's going to be bigger than that amusement park in California, the one with the mouse and the duck. <laughs> so, and Sam guesses Disneyland. That was a good, like, sort of quick return to the trivia of Lincoln mm-hmm. and Hitler, I thought. Yeah, Coach I is impressed. He's so impressed that Sam knows all these things
1: when this scene first started and, and they were given coach, you know, peak strangeness here, you know, which again, mm-hmm. I love coach. So it, it, it's, I didn't quite know what I was going to think of this scene. It seemed a little bit like, okay, where's it going? You know, mm-hmm. obviously very odd abstract kind of humor, you know, or absurd humor, I should say, right? which I, again, I like no problem with that, but we've seen a lot of it, you know? So mm-hmm. I was wondering where we were going to go with that. And it just, It kept getting better, actually. And now when I think back on this episode, this scene in in particular, there's just so much to unpack here. And that's what's so fun about it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like he has the best one liners or zingers. It's not about that. It's just about him being his character, you know, and Mm -hmm. and the way he's, you know, he's just just gesticulating everywhere and flapping around and, and just coming up with all sorts of strange stuff. And that's just I don't know. That really adds to the scene for him. I liked it.
0: And he's so excited. I mean, his whole thing is that he's so excited about the scale. And so all of the humor is coming out of excitement about the scale. And he's even mm-hmm. excited about this mystery person that sold it to him, even though, you know, he was sort of a scary person. Coach is just mm-hmm. into that entire, entire story, you know? So yep. I, I like that too, because like you said, it's not just like one line here or he's not just kind of coming out of absent mindedness and like responding to somebody. It's all about his enthusiasm about the scale that he has purchased.
1: Exactly. Like it's what, very true to fun. it's very true to who we see him as a character, you know? Yeah. It, you don't write a coach so that he can get these one-liners. He has some one-liners, and they're great. But beyond that, it's just him, just his unique perspective, shall we say, mm-hmm. on, on everything. And I love that, you know, he blew an obscene amount of money, we're led to believe, on this scale. Yeah. And Sam's not even, you know, you can tell he's mildly irritated about it, but he don't do anything, you know? He's just right. like, this is coach, you know? And he just... He listens to the story, and he—you can just see that real level of affection between them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because he says something, you kind of reprimands him about it, but it's—you know—it's not anything harsh. And he's just like, "I told you not to do this," but he just knows yeah. the coach is going to do it anyway. Right, right. You know? <laughs> and there, yeah, it does sound like he spent a bit of money on it because there's the part when Diane says that something about like, as a collector of antiques, she thinks it might be valuable. So, of course, mm-hmm. Diane is a collector of antiques. Of course, she of is. Of course, yeah. And, but then when Sam shows her the price, she sort of comes back down to earth, and she's like, a fraction thereof, <laughs> you know, might be <they're> worth <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. In <laughs> the next scene, Sam is ordering flowers for Diane, and Carla goes through this bit of asking if Diane died, <laughs> that's why he's <laughs> ordering flowers.
1: <laughs> I liked this because he just, you know, he's casually on the phone and you can kind of see uh, her, her, she runs up, you can see her little head pop up under his arm, basically, um, on the other side of the bar. And she's just all, did she die? She's just <laughs> so like, oh my yeah. God, did Is it happen? She, right. She and, and the way she ran around and delivered that I thought was really funny. Because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously she she says these sorts of things. This isn't new, but it was the way she popped into frame that <laughs> made, it, made it fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it's her enthusiasm when saying yes. these dark things, I think. It's, yeah. Makes it work. So Sam thinks Diane is going to be mad because he didn't take her to some stupid art show, as he describes it the night before. So then Diane comes in, and far from being upset, she goes over, she kisses Sam happily, She's, you know, very glad to see him. And so Sam kind of cuts off the flower ordering and just hangs up, which we don't know exactly where that's going. When I first saw it, I was like, this is a little bit random in this story about the scale, but I guess they had to kind of put that in there to introduce that story.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah.
0: so next we have norm he's coming in happy um he's even wearing a blue sweater that just looks happy it's not necessarily what we normally see norm wearing so i noticed that Mm -hmm. and he says his blind date was with his ex vera and that they are back together again and that in celebration of this he'd like to set up the whole bar but because that's (laughs) financially impossible and everybody's cheering hooray yeah yeah because that's financially impossible
1: he's going to buy cliff a drink (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was a great delivery there yeah how you know you just have that that crescendo of you know yeah but that's mm-hmm. not financially possible so yeah. i'll buy you a beer and then this this i don't mean to take it from you go but for this it. was this was funny because he's cliff asks for a chivas on the rocks oh, right. chivas is pricey as mm. okay so mm-hmm. and norm looks over at him like what in the hell and, you know <laughs> you're clearly too expensive he's like i was thinking more like along the lines of a beer or whatever so i I liked how it... Yeah, it was that, another layer, another little like another joke layer, level. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And then he says something about, like, it's Vera, not N- Natasha Kinsky. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes. so he gets in... This is his first of two little Vera jokes that he gets in, just, like, mm-hmm. little cuts, you know. He's clearly yeah. happy to be back with her, but he can't go without insulting his marriage, lest right. the guys think that he's a sap, I guess. Right. So. <laughs> And Cliff asks what the date was like and Norm describes the dinner and he talks about like the food, all of the things and says they went back to what used to be their place and kind of made love. <laughs> and I think that's just Norm being shy talking about it probably and using those mm-hmm. words. But then, you know, they make it into a joke. Sam says you can't kind of make love and Norm says you don't know Vera <laughs> So yeah, he got in some great some jokes again. Yeah. That was
1: a great line. I love that one. <laughs>
0: So then in the midst of this carla exclaims oh my god it's happening i thought that diane's response i liked how low-key her delivery was with this because she says something like, sam carla is losing what's left of her gray matter she's like and i don't mean your underwear carla <laughs>
1: <laughs> second great line of uh, the i that was i mean two right off the bat was fantastic yeah. I can just I, I just picture that, right? I'm not talking about your underwear. Gray matter. It's just I know. It's so... But it, you don't really expect that from Diane, Diane right? Exactly. I mean, that's kind of lowbrow humor there. It is. You know, it's kind that's of That's something the common man would say. That's and yet right. here she is diving in.
0: <laughs> right, but, right, right. It's very like bar humor, you know. Yeah. Definitely yeah. from the common man. And I think even addressing her directly like Carla at the end of it makes it even funnier. I'm not talking yeah. about your underwear, Carla. <laughs> exactly. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> and Carla, she takes the hit. You can see that she knows that she's been vested in that one. Mm
1: hmm. Yep.
0: Uh, so Carla goes on to explain that the fortune said, Norm's fortune said his worst problem is going to be solved. And know he's back with Bira. And <laughs> here's another little coach moment. Diane says that it's fortuitous. Mm-hmm. And then Coach says, You're absolutely right, Diane. And he talks about how his fortune said he would be hearing from a distant loved one and a half hour later his daughter in pennsylvania called so i don't think that coach knows what fortuitous means (laughs) it's
1: (laughs) it's like you're absolutely
0: right and then he goes on and gives an example of how it is not fortuitous like at least in his explanation yeah so then sam says that doesn't count and coach says that his daughter called from california she's actually on vacation so this just really solidifies carla's belief in the scale and she goes on about how her fortune said that time waits for no one, and she got home late, and her kids had started a grease fire. I think she asked, what does it mean? And Diane says it means she's an idiot, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then Carla says that there are things in this world that you eggheads can't explain away, which I think is, I don't know, I feel like that's Carla's kind of common sense strength. Not that she's using common sense and superstition, but like knowing that eggheads explain away things, I
1: guess, mm-hmm. you know? Right, right.
0: And then Sam jumps in and talks about how nothing and nobody controls what happens to us. I thought that's a good philosophy of Sam's, too. I think it's a good philosophy, Mm -hmm. his philosophy of life.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I I don't know. I feel like, and I know it's like a small line, but I think that there's a consistency to the things that Sam says in terms of, like, being responsible for your own destiny and so forth throughout Mm -hmm. the series. And I like the way they weave that in there. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he says, only battles I ever won in life I won on my own. And this is after Cliff mentions that Sam had a lucky charm when he pitched, which I thought was interesting. It's an interesting callback to Endless Slumper in Mm -hmm. mid-season one. And it sort of shows that Cliff, probably like everybody else, thought that Sam's bottle cap was related to baseball rather than to drinking. Right. So I thought there was some interesting... I don't know, like very, very subtle connections in that. And I even thought that when Stan was talking about how nothing and nobody controls what happens to us, it could also be sort of a connection to his alcoholism and recovery. I mean, I don't think that that's what any of this is about, but I just think it's consistent (laughs) for the, the character in his life.
1: We're going deep. I know. We're gonna do a deep dive on him. (laughs) no, but you know what every single word means. But no, there's there's a lot to back that up though. I mean that's what you say with the show. There's there's those character layers. And you can find that sort of stuff there. And you're right, it is consistent because he's usually, with the exception of his epic fights with Diane, he's usually very level headed, calm, cool, collected, common Mm -hmm. sense, right? I mean it is consistent throughout from what we've seen of him so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too.
0: Diane tells Sam that his statement was brilliantly put, the one about the only battles I ever won in life, I won on my own. And then Sam admits that she had said that to him a few days ago, and she says, yes, but you remembered it and used it in the proper context. Like, she's his teacher. Right. (laughs) But it was still funny. (laughs) So then Carla goes over and does her sort of, like, warding off evil spirits spit gesture at the scale. Mm -hmm. Diane gets on the scale and gets... Was there anything between that that you wanted to talk about? Because she kind of like spits on the scale and then I don't I don't think there's anything substantial between that
1: and Diane no. on the scale. Not yeah. before before Diane gets her for her own fortune. Yeah, I think Sam right. is just no. being
0: skeptical. And of course, mm-hmm. Diane is skeptical until she gets on the scale and she gets deception and romance proves costly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Sam says, well, there you all know how Diane feels about honesty. And the coach says she likes it. <laughs> um, and everybody agrees that Diane is honest. And then we see Diane kind of go over to the scale and do the same kind of like spitting action that Carla has done. Right. So something's up with Diane. When we come back, we have a line of people that are waiting to get on the scale. And the camera cuts around. We see Cliff fall down the icy stairs into Cheers. And he's kind of out of it. He can't get his coat on the rack. He's kind of muttering <laughs> and so forth. Um, and they're asking if he's all right. And he, he just basically goes through like, the physical motions of his postal route including fending off a dog chewing on his leg (laughs) and then says like he's you know he declares himself fine at that point (laughs) i thought that was like it was good physical humor from john Ratzenberger. i thought he did a good job with that yeah and carla you know is still under this fortune so she asked cliff what his fortune was and it was talk to bigwigs so she's trying to come up with connections and we have this whole like conversations bar wide basically conversation about (laughs) Who is was the biggest bigwig of them all. And this to me was just like another classic, you know, where everybody is involved. Al, the old gentleman on the far side of the bar, yells, Sinatra.
1: Have we seen this
0: guy before? I, I want to say he's been at the bar before. I don't know. I think this, this is his first time speaking. But I think he's probably been sitting there.
1: I was looking at my notes just a few, you know, a scene back and I was, I, I was about to bust out because I, I love this scene. It's okay. so, I, I've never seen this guy before. At least I don't remember him. So yeah, this has mm-hmm. to be the first time he talks. The way he says it, he looks either senile or drunk uh-huh. or both, uh-huh. likely both. Um, and I like how, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just going to no, go, go on it. about this for a minute. So yeah, he's this older guy. Um, his face um every when he screams out sinatra everyone turns to look at him kind of like confused and Mm -hmm. amused and then he does it again a a beat or two later and what's funny (laughs) what is so funny is that throughout the next several shots every time it pans toward him and his face is in the background yeah he's just kind of like making eyes at the camera the I whole time that, i
0: noticed that the like it's like smiling with an open mouth kind of like uh.
1: <laughs> it's so true it's so he looks senile or drunk or both and i just his face cracked me up so much in this so i really really enjoyed the best part of the entire episode for me this was great and he he's amused with himself too it's like they he don't bother to
0: himself. to make it seem like all of that is entirely scripted either
1: right exactly because it's, it's like they kind of just said hey act drunk go oh, right. for it you know and he came up with this and it's i really like it it's so funny
0: i like that i don't even because the first time he says it, it's really funny and everybody's reacting and the audience is laughing you kind of get the sense or at least i did that it gets, it came across funnier than they expected it to, like than the cast mm-hmm. expected it to, because uh, right, they're holding right. it in, but they look a little bit, they look surprised. And then <laughs> yeah. the second time, <laughs> it's even more so. Like, and the guy Al is even laughing, probably laughing at his own joke. <laughs> yes, Everybody in the yes. bar, I don't know that they expected that reaction, or if that was even. It's supposed to happen a second time because you go from like him saying Sinatra and, you know, there's no reason to think he's going to say it again. And Carlos is bigger than that. And coach guesses Ronald Reagan. Carlos says even bigger. And Al repeats Sinatra.
1: I mean, it's just. Yes. He really did play that whole kind of clueless old guy, you know? Yeah. And, but again, it's, and, and then when you look at him, the next several shots, when you're seeing like a coach and Sam, he's in that shot and he's just mm-hmm. kind of looking at the camera, like he almost like he doesn't know what he's supposed to do as an extra, but yeah. I, I'm guessing that was his own creation or maybe that was guidance, but whatever, however they did it, it came off great. It worked I, perfectly. I, I just laughed out loud at that one. I mean, yeah. It was great. That was good.
0: And even the next bit, it's funny about the Norm says big oil countries run the country and companies around the country, and she's like, well, who owns the oil companies? And, you know, Coach is talking about how the guys at his particular station, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Like, what was it? I don't remember their names. Like, Mahmood was one and, like, two other names, you know? It's humorous, because it's Coach humor of thinking about, like, the particulars of his life. Like, that's who runs the big oil companies, is three guys at my station. But it's just, it doesn't (laughs) compare to Sinatra, this whole Sinatra thing. That just overwhelms the entire... Scene, it's almost, yeah, it's almost like they they
1: miss they unwittingly uh trumped um coach's line, yeah. I mean, they kind of let let Alan go before and then he stole the thunder, and then coach is like, Oh, here's what I got, you know, (laughs) it just (laughs) doesn't it kind of falls a little flat, especially for being coach, yeah, yeah. So
0: then Carla declares that God is the biggest big wig of them all and asks if Cliff prayed that morning. When she says no, he says, you know, then this would've happened. He wouldn't fall down the stairs if he'd prayed that morning. So then, you know, Sam is skeptical. And he's saying like, you stretch this out to make it about anything. Like these fortunes could mean anything at this rate. And Tim, I think is the name. I don't think he has a name yet, but I think his name will be Tim. It's a character that sits across the bar. He's kind of one of the, the tertiary characters. And he says he hope it doesn't mean anything because his fortune was bad. Your valuables are in jeopardy. And then he goes to get it out of his wallet and can't find his wallet and screams. And then Coach or Car- – I'm sorry. And then Carla screams. Coach <laughs> tells Carla to take it easy. He'll owe you the tip. So <laughs> he finds the wallet. So everyone is kind of spooking themselves. And, of course, Carla isn't helping. She's just exacerbating all of this. Right. And she says the right. machine is evil. And Sam is trying to talk her out of this. It's ridiculous. And he says it's a sad world we live in when Sam Malone becomes the voice of reason.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, although i think sam is often the voice of
0: reason but i, I, I get his point yeah
1: yeah uh, there was a moment just right before that where norman cliff start miming the twilight zone theme mm. they're at the bar i like that yeah part. That, that's good too it's a good <laughs> inclusion
0: Is that kind of it's a little bit like that what's going on mm-hmm. at least for a cheers episode it's got that little element little twist of the surreal i guess
1: It it does. It does. I could see this sort of being like a rough plot for one of those Twilight Zone episodes, Mm -hmm. right? Where you have some sort of object that's bringing foul play or misfortune or whatever. And
0: And you have like the characters that are sort of the regulars in a particular location that are all experiencing some different manifestation Mm -hmm. from it. (laughs) Yeah. So Sam wants uh, Diane to tell everybody how dumb they're being. And so all Diane says is you're being dumb. So not a very Diane... You common, can tell her heart's long. her
1: heart's just not in it, right? It's not in it. She just turned this... down a podium.
0: Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. Like Sam gave her the podium, and yeah. she just yeah basically denied it. And then Sam was like, "Had enough, huh?" As though she had actually done her usual, you know, diatribe. I thought mm-hmm. that that was fun. The way he said that was kind of fun and quirky. Sam. Mm-hmm. She hadn't really said anything. Later on, they're getting ready to leave. Carla's going to get one more fortune just to make sure she's going to be okay on the way home. And Sam reads it for her and says, you will grow lips on your forehead. So he's still kind of you know, disbelieving in the scale. Carla leaves. And then from this point on, you know, the episode of course moves into this more personal situation with Sam and Diane. Sam's gonna get on the scale just for kicks and see what his fortune says. And Diane doesn't want him to. She says the scale, the scale has her spooked and she references her own fortune and tells Sam, admits to Sam basically that she took another man to the art show last night. To which sam says you mean like a guy <laughs> and diane talks you know, about him being a male classmate and i didn't get the sense that sam was that sam was really bothered about this until diane started telling him about how they had a wonderful time and she's kind of playing it up and being a little bit suggestive about it mm-hmm. and then she says the part about the coffee how they just went they had coffee <laughs> you know took her back to his or she took him back to her apartment you know he saw her home essentially and they had coffee. And then Sam <laughs> Sam says and gestures as well. Instant coffee or did you grind the beans? <laughs>
1: this was a great line for him. I know. And then just grind the hand the motion too, you know, mm-hmm. that went along with it,
0: that kind of like swirling hand motion. Yeah. <laughs> and he's almost gritting his teeth when he says it as well. And she said something about how she didn't grind them. It wasn't like it was with you. I didn't grind them fine. And then she describes the goodnight kiss and so forth. So
1: to me, that almost look, I mean, again, it progressed to that point. But it seems like that right there was the one that really tipped it over for him was when she gave him a kiss goodnight Mm -hmm. to me. You know, I mean, it was getting there with the making coffee thing, but I definitely think had it stopped there and, you know, did you grind the beer? And she said, we just had coffee. He left. I feel like that might Maybe. have been the end of it but she was like she was egging it on you know she was trying to get a reaction from him i think yeah and so when she you know said about you know the kiss or whatever i felt like that was when the, the moment we kind of tipped the scale on that <laughs> i agree but
0: he, yeah and i think he asked her about it but she was leading yeah leading the convert tip the scale that's good <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs>
0: <laughs> she, yeah she was leading the conversation to that for sure yeah and then she kind of. I don't know. I thought she sort of flipped this around and blamed Sam for it. You know, she's talking about how she misses talking about things she can't talk about with him,
1: mm-hmm. as though
0: that's somehow Sam's fault. I believe he talks about how he doesn't fulfill all of her her needs and she doesn't fulfill all of his, and maybe they should call it quits. <sighs> I have to say, like this is just—I agreed. <laughs> is exhausting. I was like, okay, like I, right. It was exhausting. <laughs> like you should call it quits. Like you're correct about this. <laughs> But she says i think she says somewhere in here that she came to him to come clean but i mean really she told him because he asked her why she's reacting as she did to the scale so i don't know just the back and forth
1: I looked down, um, I was watching this on Hula, I looked mm-hmm. down to see what episode number this was and I said, oh, episode 17 so yeah, we're about that time <laughs> right. Right. we gotta enter, we gotta manufacture some drama in this little relationship here, it's just right. like, oh my god. amp this gosh. up again,
0: bring it to a boil and it
1: turned, it turned so quickly too I really didn't yeah. see it coming and like we, we, uh, we mentioned earlier when she comes in near the beginning of the episode and, you know, Sam thinks she's gonna be mad because he didn't take her to an art show, she comes in, she's all loving dovey with them and everything Mm -hmm. and we kind of just let that go and then we pick it up again here um but to me still it came out of nowhere and it just take it goes from zero to 60 with these two again and it's like oh my god you know
0: yeah yeah and it's it's really childish but it's like intense childish Mm -hmm. you know yeah and then diane wants to break up with him not have him break up with her like there's the entire debate over who broke up with whom Mm -hmm. um And at some point diane's making this linguistic argument that sam said maybe where she's saying definitely and it was just analyzing it you know analyzing Mm -hmm. who said what and so forth
1: just petty drama petty Mm -hmm. drama as we get with those two and uh, you know it's funny because we were doing so well we had such a long stretch of episodes with no drama no relationship at least it feels that way to me again this to me this just came out of left field yeah
0: yeah 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 Diane at this point she kind of I would say fakely admits vulnerability I mean we don't know that at first because she sounds very upset and sincerely so she's scared I mean it's it's I thought it was a little over the top and maudlin but she seemed genuine like she just seemed very emotionally overwrought but I didn't believe that it was a trap at that point but she talks about how mm. there's too much at stake here and I was like I mean I was like what is at stake this relationship is just <laughs> shallow I mean it's like passionate, but kind of shallow. And at this part, like when Diana's upset and Sam hugs her and he says, I'm sorry, please forgive me, it's like, he's just, he, Sam is a kind person, that's the side of him mm-hmm. I like to see. Like, he's trying to be understanding, even though they've been fighting, he wants to comfort her. And then she immediately, and she says, tell me, oh, this is it, she tells me, t- says, tell me you didn't break up with me. So then he does what she wants to make her feel better and says he didn't, and then she kind of shoves him away and says, then I'm mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. it's like, what a shrew! I mean, that yeah. was that was terrible. I would say that's probably
1: mm-hmm.
0: one of the worst, if not the worst, things that she's done so far. Yeah,
1: yeah, manipulate. it definitely was. It it was yeah. It was very manipulative and it was very petty. Mm-hmm. Very petty.
0: So then they're arguing again on the breakup. and Sam kicks the scale and then it prints out this fortune, and then Diane is back on this again about their destiny after what she's just done taking advantage of him mm-hmm. she says "Her destiny might be in that card and so it reads machine empty order more fortunes today
1: <laughs> and that is the end of the episode what is this ending i don't know what to make of this mm-hmm. i have not seen i have not seen the next episode i've not yeah. seen an episode beyond this we're you know we're going it episode by episode right. so um this is a cliffhanger this is kind like of, yep. yeah to me anyway mm-hmm. and so i don't know what where we are left with the couple to me it seems like they're they're split but yeah. we'll find out next time won't we <laughs>
0: yeah. i mean it does seem that way but it also was just like this up and down drama at the yeah. end, the entire episode, it's, it's kind of like a fun but spooky roller coaster, and then all of mm-hmm. a sudden, it's just this complete it is just emotional train wreck. Although, I will say that I think the machine being empty at the end, it's sort of this mysterious statement of Sam and Diane's relationship, so there's the cliffhanger of them, and then the cliffhanger of this machine is empty, like nobody knows what's coming next. But mm-hmm. I thought that like is a statement of fate that that was well done, too, with the machine.
1: Yes, Uh, I liked how, you know, that device, that framing, however you want to word it, I liked how they ended that. mm -hmm. I mean, it's very abrupt, but I like that. I thought that was very well done. I will say overall, my opinion of the episode, though, I really do like this episode. Um, I feel like there's a lot to love here. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of great lines. There's a lot of great character moments. Um, So this, for me, was... I think, one of the standouts for the season thus far.
0: I agree. I think so, too. And it's one of my standouts also. You know, even though I think in some ways, it kind of, in my enjoyment of the episode, the episode takes kind of a nosedive at the end when it becomes about Sam and Diane's relationship drama. But I don't necessarily think that that was poorly done. I just don't particularly enjoy it. Like, to me... It wasn't. I don't know how to explain it. I would say it's not that it was an unnatural transition. Like in the last mm-hmm. episode that we discussed, Cliff's rocky moment, I really thought that you know we had this whole this episode going along, and then the end was just kind of not, if not cobbled on, at least you know didn't necessarily it wasn't necessary or it wasn't like a natural progression of whatever had happened before. Maybe I don't know, but this one mm-hmm. I thought like I could see it all leading to that even if you don't expect it coming it made sense to me that that episode led into this final scene between the two of them even though i didn't particularly yeah. enjoy that <laughs> you know I, I like the I very exactly last the s- moment of the machine empty
1: i feel the exact the same way yeah I, it definitely dips for me toward the end but It made sense, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I I feel like you can kind of, I feel like it's two different things, you've got the characters, and you've got, it sounds like both of our mutual frustration with their relationship and how they get into these situations and fights and all that, but... It was well done in terms of what the device the scale it, it mm-hmm. brought all this drama into into everyone's life right and it's particularly the, their relationship so i i thought it was a clever way how they framed the episode around the scale i liked that part of it the best
0: yeah i do too and i like sort of fortune and luck and destiny being topics of conversation at Cheers because that's you mm-hmm. know they have little conversations like that all along the way I think about their lives, and so I think that's nice to introduce that as a theme that they're all working mm-hmm. with. And I thought all yeah. of the characters were used really well in their parts, you know, sort of like with reference to what was happening with the scale. Like from Norm's yeah. situation and his date, you know, and then being with Vera. And the other, like, I mean, Coaches wasn't as serious. He was just kind of like, his little comment about his daughter calling, those sorts of things just kind of pegged in and were good. They weren't necessarily like, the big points of drama, but I thought everybody mm-hmm. was well used. That thought Carla, she's an interesting blend of religious and superstitious. And I thought that that came out well in this episode too, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like her, we know from before that she's Catholic and then she talks about God being the biggest big wig, but that she's also clearly into these sort of not, I don't want to say like dark arts, but she believes in like fortune telling and mm-hmm. other kind of superstitious things too. So I think that's interesting for her character and that was done well. Yeah. And of course the Sinatra part is a just classic.
1: Oh man, too, that was, so for me that was my favorite like isolated moment you know what i yeah. mean like i i want that to be a sound bite. i want to find that moment and make it into a sound bite if i can and i just love that you
0: could get that as a ringtone i bet something <laughs> Wouldn't
1: that be i will amazing? be looking into that
0: yeah but yeah i really think the whole thing i think the whole thing flowed well i enjoyed all of the parts with the scale you know until the drama yeah. at the end but i really do think the entire thing flowed really well so definitely among my top episodes too
1: that will do it for us today you can find us on facebook norm a cheers podcast and on twitter at cheers underscore norm you can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places apple podcasts google podcasts overcast and spotify leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there thanks so much for listening
0: Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. And we are your hosts, Marlene Stimme and Andy Blaker. How is it going today, Andy? Hey, it's good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And we are embarking on episode 18 of season two of Cheers, which is titled Snow Job, it was written by David Angel and directed by James Burroughs, and it aired for the first time on February 9, 1984. So our logline is, Sam is plagued by something like guilt when he continually tries to get away to a ski weekend in Stowe, Vermont, after telling Diane that he is going to his Uncle Nathan's funeral. Meanwhile, Norm has a new entertaining friend that takes his time away from a now-jealous cliff, and Coach tries to set a record for the fewest glasses broken in a month. So several plot lines going on in our episode, but we're going to start with a teaser in which a young mailman brings the mail into Cheers, and he comes in, he says they're all Bills, and then Coach, in his Coach way, says he'll give them to Bill the moment he comes in. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Cliff observes this. He kind of is walking out, I believe, from the back of the bar area. He is like, well, wait a minute. You know, he he dresses the younger mailman as sport and tells him, you know, I can, as you can see, I'm wearing the colors myself. <laughs> so almost like he's in the military. <laughs> um, and he sort of remonstrates the cheers mailman for not having his uniform up to code. So the young mailman apologizes. You know, when Cliff goes over the parts of the, the mailman's outfit that he's not wearing properly, and then Cliff tells him to carry on. Then this mailman recognizes Cliff as Cliff Claven when Coach addresses Cliff. So he hears his name and asks, like, hey, wait a minute, are you Cliff Clavin? And so, you know, Cliff is, he seems kind of proud of himself, you know, and the mailman says that Cliff's name is a symbol around the branch office. And Coach is funny, I think, because Coach kind of smiles and smacks Cliff's arm in a, sort of like a good job manner, you know. And then the mailman says that whenever he made a mistake, you know, because he's a rookie, when he made a mistake, his supervisor told him to get his head out of his Clavin. And I think that this works because he delivers the line so innocently, and Cliff and Coach are sort of standing there with their hands on their hips, <laughs> kind of mirroring each other as this young man leaves tears, you know, leaves the bar. So what did you think of the teaser? Did you have any impressions?
1: Yeah, I liked the teaser. I thought Cliff was, was mm-hmm. fun in it, you know, kind of dressing down his, his uh, competition, if you will, you know, younger. Faster, you know, get kind it of just—I, I, I do not know—I kind of—I right. I, I put more into it than that, probably. And I liked how it kind of turned on on him, with him being kind of the butt of jokes, basically. So I liked it.
0: Yeah, I thought it was fun because he does turn from like he's putting himself in that position as the authority figure, and then turns out that he's the, been the <laughs> example as the butt of the joke, basically, or as the what not to do. Yeah, and that's funny. And Coach, I thought, played a good role in that too. And then when we start the episode proper. Carla, I think, is on the phone and she's saying that Anne Marie, one of her children, is being held back a grade. So, you know, she says she's already Anne Marie's already been held back twice already. And then she's, you know, telling all this to coach, she says that it's just as bad to skip a grade, and he says that he skipped four grades and it's high school, I think they call it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Carla says that Anne Marie has been held back twice already. In her class picture she looks like Snow Snow White. You know, with all little doors. So, and later on, I guess when we discuss this how, if, how, and if the stories go together, I think that this does sort of fit in, even though it's just a little anecdote from Carla to start out. Mm-hmm. And then Cliff is looking for Norm. He wants to tell him a story. Coach, in the meanwhile, in the meantime, is kind of he's serving this beer slowly. And Carla, I think, is isn't it Carla that's asking him why he's doing mm-hmm. this? Yeah, he's explaining to her that he's trying to set a record for the fewest number of glasses broken in a month. And he has to make it to midnight without breaking seven glasses, so he has about six inches of feathers sprinkled all over the floor. What did you think of this
1: like setup for that story? I liked it. I thought it was funny. I liked how the um, the best was the reveal when he walks around the bar and he's got it like up to his mm-hmm. almost up to his his shins or his knees or whatever. Um, you know, just passes it off like this is any part of the job, and I I, I thought it was a <laughs> little bit.
0: Yeah. And I thought at first he was wearing some sort of like feather boots or some sort of boot, you know, like a winter boot, maybe (laughs) (laughs) it's just feathers. So then at this point, Norm comes in with another man with him and they're kind of like laughing and carrying on. And then we get the normism of the episode, which I think is one of the classics. Coach asks, what's shaking Norm? (laughs) All four cheeks and a couple of chins, coach. That's right. That was a
1: great line. The audience liked that line.
0: Yes. And I noticed even Diane is laughing Mm. genuinely along with him which we don't always see. So that was a fun moment. And then Norm is telling everybody how he ran into George at unemployment, which I thought was interesting. He must have re-upped his unemployment, Norm did, because I thought it ran out. You know, we had that in the No Help Wanted episode that his unemployment had run out. So Norm's just kind of kind of going along, um, still not gainfully employed. But he's run into a new friend. And jo- George he makes some joke about him being a tree surgeon. He had to quit because he fainted at the sight of SAP. You know and he's just telling these kind of goofy jokes and norm is enjoying them and then of course you know coach thinks george is really funny and cliff says something you know cliff is immediately jealous and he says something about how they're laughing at the man's you know basically
1: pitiful attempts to fit in i would say yeah we're seeing this side of cliff he can um he's uh he's a jealous type he's a jealous type and, Mm -hmm. and 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 He's mean when he goes after someone. We I, we had this in another fairly recent episode, didn't we? Where he was hurling insults left and right at somebody because he was kind of jealous or, or somehow upset at that person. Yeah, it was the episode where, um, oh gosh, it was just a, not too long ago. It was this season where he's got that guy that comes into the bar and he's a bully. And, um, yes. yeah, it, you know, it was similar that was because Cliff was mm-hmm. kind of reacting to some of what he was saying and, and it wasn't jealousy at all in that situation, but it was just like this one upmanship. And I feel like he's kind of doing the same mm-hmm. sort of thing here.
0: Yeah. And the defensiveness, cause he is like, he's insulting the, you know, the, the, the episode of the bully, he's insulting his intelligence yeah. and like really going overboard to do so.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think there were, you know, episodes in the first season when, um, the character, I believe his name is Paul, you know, would insult the postal mm-hmm. service. And Paul could like give at least as good as he got from Cliff. So it wasn't like Cliff was really great at one-upping Paul, but he would definitely sling some things his way, as I recall, yeah, too. You know, or at least get defensive. Yeah. So then Diane comes along, and she complains about working for the holidays, and she says that it's George Washington's birthday weekend. So she's talking about the drawbacks of having this particular type of job. It's understandable, because weekends are their big time, and probably holiday weekends especially. People want to go out and celebrate, and she has to work. So Carla tells Diane about Sam's annual ski trip with his baseball buddies. They go to Stowe, Vermont, and like basically, like you know one doesn't know if they ski. They apparently hustle up snow bunnies. And then Diane says, like, well, of course you won't go this year, Carla. Carla and Diane are having this, like, back and forth about whether or not Sam is going to go on this ski trip because, you know, Diane thinks because he's dating her now that he certainly wouldn't go. And Carla says that she thinks Sam is still going to go. She says she believes in the old Sam Malone. And she says something about, like, I think he's still got some hair on his butt. Yeah. Which is, you know, <laughs> only Carla would say that. And then there's this long, basically almost like a monologue that Diane has to Carla about the, like, perhaps Carla, the desperate observations, you know, the whole thing about your desperate observations accurately reflect the relationship between men and women in the dimimum that you inhabit. (laughs) (laughs) But for those of us who no longer scrape our knuckles on the ground when we walk, your views are incredibly primitive. And Carla stands there and listens to the whole thing. She does. She does. You got to give her props. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Diane, I mean, she, you know, it just kind of, it does flow out fairly well. I don't know that I've heard the term dimmumon before. So I did look that up. No, that,
1: that was a new one to me. That yeah. Was...
0: I got from the context. And of course, like Diane saying anything to Carla about a place that she would inhabit, you know, you get sort of a context that it's a, <laughs> sort of more lowbrow. But <laughs> what I gathered is that a dimmumon is a woman that exists on the fringes of respectable society because of questionable moral or social standing and a conspicuously hedonistic lifestyle. So someone that exists
1: in that world. She would be a character in, in a Victorian novel that Diane would read, basically. Mm. She's mm-hmm. a, you know, she's a, a fallen woman. Yeah, <laughs> the, right. Some of those real archaic terms, Concouth, that would be what woman, she yes. would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Diane, yeah,
0: that's a great point. Diane's cast her in that, the mold of mm-hmm. such a novel already. So they have this exchange. And then around this point, you know, Carla is still disbelieving. Sam comes in. It's about seven minutes into the episode. And I think it's interesting the way that this episode is constructed, you know, as we'll see going forward with Sam's appearances and disappearances and so forth. And then just like the sort of the narrative style that that requires for him to tell his story. You know, we can get into that a bit later. But I thought that that was kind of it made it a little bit of a different episode. So because it's seven minutes and he's just now coming in. He runs in. You know, he's telling Diane he has to go to Vermont for his Uncle Nathan's funeral. And Diane kind of, you know, she gets a little skeptical when Sam mentions Vermont because she's just heard this from Carla. Mm -hmm. So at this point, they're talking about this initial discussion of Sam going to Vermont and Carla pops her head up and says, my condolences in your time of sorrow. And then Sam is like, oh, thank you, Carla. She says, I was talking to Diane. (laughs) So... (laughs) What did you make of all of this? Of like Sam's entrance and then the story that he's telling Diane at this point in the episode.
1: I kind of expected her to like catch on more, I guess, definitively, like to, to mm-hmm. know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, oh, you know, this is him lying. This is his cover story based on what she's just been told by Carla. That was what I was thinking was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead we and sam and everyone's kind of just strung along on this and i'll talk more about that toward the end because i did find that element a little confusing a little frustrating but Mm -hmm. yeah i really kind of just thought she would not string him along like that and just call him out right then and there and be more the aggressive character that we know she can be we know that she likes to be you know right (laughs) and um i was kind of surprised that you know we didn't quite go that direction
0: right and i agree with you i think that And again, like there'll be more to come, of course, but it seems like she would immediately be angry. Like that's kind of the way that she reacts. Like she would react to this immediately as a lie that she's being told. But instead, Mm -hmm. she kind of plays with it, you know. And even the way that he tells this. You know, he's lying, but why didn't he lie about the location of the funeral? Because there's a moment when he says that his uncle died when she looks like she really does believe him and has Mm -hmm. no reason to think that he's lying to her until he says that he has to go to Vermont for the funeral. And he tells her he's going to Stowe, Vermont. (laughs) So it's very particular. I just thought that was interesting that he wouldn't... I feel like Sam, you know, would have some sense. If he really wanted to lie, he would have some sense to make up a different place.
1: I know. I I, I got to say, I felt a little disappointed by him. I felt he could have done better. <laughs> I felt, felt he didn't like, want know, to. Yeah, it, right. It just kind of felt like, oh, you know, this was the best that they the writers came up with for it. You know, it just it seemed clumsy to me. Okay. I, I didn't. It didn't seem like I don't know. It didn't seem like what it could have been. It could have been stronger. And I don't
0: know. Kind hmm. of mixed on okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I guess I probably am too because it's. I guess it seems clumsy, but at the same time, it's like. Does he want to get caught? Because there's this whole thing of him, this guilt that right. he's apparently feeling, or whatever it is that he's feeling throughout the episodes. I'm like, did he just tell a bad lie? You know, it's kind of hard like to he, say. Like, he
1: really just wants her to come at him and, you know, nail him, right? And Maybe, him in his yeah. Lie, basically. You're right. I, that's a good point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say. But he says he'll be gone for a couple of days, and then Diane volunteers to go with him. And, you know, he, they have this whole exchange about how he's going to be staying with his aunt and she doesn't believe in unmarried couples sleeping together. And I thought that was interesting. I think it's interesting that Sam invented, because of course we know that he's inventing this, he invented this excuse that his Aunt Alice doesn't approve of unmarried couples sleeping together. So it's like, he invented family members with different morality than what he has. I thought that was intriguing. I mean, I know it's just an excuse, but I think it was like he created this character of his Aunt Alice, even though he didn't do a very good job lying about where he was going. That's a good point. And then we have Diane saying that, you know, we don't have to sleep together. And he asks, like, and he seems genuinely puzzled. He asks, like, why would you be coming then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, this is when I kind of ask, like, why doesn't Diane directly confront Sam? She asked Coach if he believes that Sam is going to his uncle's funeral. And Sam, I'm sorry, Coach, you know, has this moment of confusion. He doesn't seem to understand that Sam is lying about the Uncle Nathan. He says they wouldn't make funeral arrangements if a man wasn't dead. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I liked his scene here. He just that he completely, you know, puzzled innocence, basically.
0: Right, right. Like, well, of course, he's not even thinking about Sam lying. He's just thinking that, of course, he must have an Uncle Nathan, even though Coach knows Sam has known him for years and would know his family members, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they wouldn't have a funeral if he hadn't died. <laughs> and then we go back over to this kind of Norman Cliff story that's woven through the Sam and Diane story, and Cliff keeps trying to tell Norm his story. I think it's like, I counted three times that he keeps trying to tell Norm the story. And Norm is getting ready to leave with George to go to the Bruins game. So he's much more into this sort of new, the shiny new friend, you know, this fun friend than he is to listening to Cliff's story at the bar. And so as they go out, um, Cliff insults George and says something about, like, I hope you catch a puck. In your Clavin, yeah. Which I, th- I thought that was a great, you know, self insult, kind of a callback to the teaser. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's yeah, it of was. So.
1: That was a good line. Yeah, that was very clever.
0: Yeah. Um, did you have any thoughts initially about this new friendship between um, Norm and George, and how that's playing out with the Norm, George, and Cliff scenario?
1: I just, I, I just, I thought it was really funny how jealous he is of him and how obvious mm-hmm. it is to everyone except norm it seems like at least initially so yeah yeah i I just like how they kind of you know were really kind of piling it on um cliff you know from from the uh the insults he sort of got in the teaser to this 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 triangle this friendship triangle with with uh, norm and george and so i liked how they kind of played it up and they showed how insecure he was and how jealous Mm -hmm. he got of the two of them
0: we go back to Sam, who's starting to leave, you know, he's trying to get out the door. And then Diane is stopping and asking him these questions about how long, you know, these kind of concerned questions about how long his aunt and uncle were married. And then she tells Sam that honesty is the secret to a long lasting relationship, which I think is it's interesting because I believe that was just the previous episode that, um, fortune in men's weights when she was dishonest about what she was Mm -hmm. doing Mm -hmm. you know like dishonest with Sam about what she was doing or that she'd had this date with another man and so forth and then you know we went back to season one the episode Old Flames when Sumner returned and she basically told Sumner that she wasn't seeing anyone so uh, I don't know (laughs) you know it's it's kind of a little hypocritical there but Nonetheless, Diane is in her kind of dramatic mood, and she says something about the lie between them at this point in the relationship would be a crime of the soul, a death of the spirit, and she kind of goes on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's just too much, entirely yeah. too much. I mean, and going back to the line about a hypocrite, I mean, obviously she is, and obviously it's not the first time we've seen it. Um, mm-hmm. Part of me wonders too, you know, in the writing, in the writer's room, you know, thinking of this behind the scenes, do they, I mean, obviously, you know, you're going to write the characters a little bit different depending on the episode of the week, right? The scenario they find themselves yeah. in, that's, that's the nature of situation comedy and, and these kinds of shows. But I wonder in the writer's room if they knew on that, you know, if they, if they were picking up like what you and I are picking up on, mm-hmm. her hypocritical nature, if, if they wrote that and... Or kind of doing it in a self-knowing kind of way or if that's just how it comes off to certain people watching it because it, to me it's very obvious that she yes. you know the hypo- hypocrisy at times the you know contradictions and just, right. just her as a character
0: yeah and how she thinks that she is versus how she really is underneath seem very yeah. different at times right. and yeah and then in this one As well as being hypocritical she's it seems like she wants to think that this relationship is deeper than it is i mean to call something a crime of the soul you know (laughs) that's pretty involved um yeah i'm just not convinced that this relationship with sam is that that she has with sam is that
1: deep no and and may i may i I should have brought this up at the very beginning of, of the episode but um you know the episode we had before this with the fortune and the scale and everything Mm. I, that episode left me thinking they were kind of broken up or at least least until the very last minute. And so when I watched, started watching this, uh, you know, snow job, I I said, I wondered if they were going to be together. Well, sure enough, they're fine. I mean, at least in the beginning of the episode, Mm -hmm. no mention to what came before. So you know, apparently we're just going to gloss over that whole dramatic ending. And so it's those kinds of things, the ups and downs of their relationship and as an extension, their characters. And it's just kind of, you know, it's only season two. (laughs) It's like, like, holy God, how many more of these are we going to, you know, how many, how much longer can I tolerate this? So I don't know. It's interesting because I kind of thought that they might, it seemed like at the end of the last episode they were going to be in uh, at least maybe a, a not so secure place, right? And this episode, I mean, I'm not saying they're exactly more secure, but they they're they're on more level footing, you know, than you might. expect. I, right. I mean, I don't.
0: Yeah, I don't think the relationship's going well, but I don't think it's because of anything that's happened previously. It's just the the way that this episode almost starts you know but there's no sense that something has happened before that to precipitate the decline in the relationship it's almost like it's going through another decline like it did at the end of the last episode i think yeah somehow yeah so she talks about you know she goes from talking about the depth of the death of the spirit the crime of the soul all these you know the depth of this relationship and then, you know, she's Sam's trying to get out and she's basically just telling him to be careful. There are gonna be a lot of skiers on the road, you know, and then she makes a comment about people being careless and insensitive when they're on their way to a ski weekend. So she's <laughs> kind of piling on the I don't know if you'd even call it passive aggressive, you know, and it's hard to I think it's hard to tease apart because Sam is at fault, but she's starting to kind of be at fault a little bit too for holding back, I think.
1: Right. I think so. I think mm-hmm. so. I mean, obviously, yeah, he's, he's, you know, trying to get away with this at this point. But yeah, I mean, it starts off with her kind of just, you know, I think I, I, I think I know what you're up to kind of thing. And, and now she's just getting to the point where she's just out and out, you know, dogging him on almost, you know. Right. And, and, yeah. Like you said, I don't know if I'd say it's passive aggression, but it's, um, I don't know what the term would be. It kind of is mm-hmm. sort of like passive aggression, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, it, it it is. I think. I mean, it's not. She's not saying things like whiny things about herself necessarily, but she's definitely indicating, kind of poking these things at him that she knows what's going on to make him feel guilty. <laughs> and then, of
1: course, Carla throughout the episode is she's the thorn in the side,
0: sort of the provocateur. Um, I did
1: like her role in this episode as the as the provocateur. Mm-hmm. Though. Um, yeah, as she gets goes on and on, and then she just kind of is continually disappointed by his reappearing. And I did like how they kind of played that off, though.
0: Oh, I do, too. And I like that the timing is so well done. You know, she will say something or run to the door or whatever it is, and then you know, that's kind of the indication that he's going to be back. So yeah. as soon as she starts provoking Diane again, then that's kind of the next, the cue for Sam to return. Mm-hmm. So, in this point, you know, she's provoking Diane. Sam has left. Diane says that Sam will be back by closing time by the end of the night. Carla doesn't believe believe Diane. And then Coach is also laughing. So, we have this moment when Carla asks Coach if he doesn't believe Diane either. And Coach is laughing about having feathers in his shoes. (laughs) And all he (laughs) says is, like, I don't know how a chicken keeps a straight face. Which, (laughs) I don't, like, on its own. This is not... I don't think it's a whole, like a hilarious line, but right. just they're all genuinely amused by Coach in the middle of this, you know, drama and deceit and so forth. Like Carla is genuinely amused by Coach, and Diane seems to be as well. So I don't know. I think that makes yeah.
1: it fun. I no, I agree. You're right. It felt by itself, the line, if it had been another character, it, it would have fallen completely flat. It's not a great line. It's it's his delivery. It's his yeah. self amusement at his own line, and just, it's yeah. just him. It's mm-hmm. him as the character.
0: No. So then we come back. Coach is telling Carla that he has to record in the bag. He's very confident about this. And he's dropping glasses on purpose, basically. You know, he's being kind of um, cavalier. He's removed all the feathers from the floor. And... Mm -hmm. It bothered me, like it worried me when he was doing this, because you know, it's, you know
1: it's gonna go wrong. <laughs> well, and like, he, I mean, he's asking for it. Mm-hmm. It's it's just downright foolish, really. He's just being destructive like that. It's one of my thing. I'm like, what are you doing? It was it was a bit odd. It is, but he's gone from like careful to kind of cocky.
0: It's just like a personality. Like he's just kind of got. Yeah a little full of his, you know, I mean, I don't think coach often has bravado, but you know, that whatever that is, he's like, I've got this in the bag, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she reminds him that he's two glasses away now. And he's, he's like, you know what I think of that? And then he's like, it scares the hell out of me. <laughs> so yeah. he kind of comes back down <laughs> to earth at that point. And then, you know, Carla kind of turns her attention then to Cliff who's moping around And I thought it it was somewhat uncharacteristic of her to take an interest in his welfare. You know, and she says, like, what's your problem, droopy drawers? But she doesn't (laughs) often even care that much to address what's wrong with him. And then Cliff goes on this jag about how he's spending a little quiet time by himself. And I really, I thought that this part was funny. I thought that John Ratzenberger did a nice delivery of, you know, his whole thing about the lone wolf, c'est moi, (laughs) and then reciting the Simon and Garfunkel. You know, I touch no one and no one touches me. I'm a rock. I'm an island.
1: Yeah, so that was
0: good. I'm a little bit, you know, defensive or overcompensating or something. You know, he's like clearly overplaying, but he's just perfectly fine and happy by himself. So then Norm comes in again, and he's come back from the Bruins game, basically, he gets a beer, and then he says that George turned out to be a jerk, and George left Norm when he saw his other friends at the hockey game. So it's another betrayal theme. But Norm invites Cliff to shoot pool, and Cliff guilt trips Norm. You know, he goes through this whole routine. He's like, Norm has deigned to ask me to shoot pool with them." you know, carrying on.
1: <laughs> he lays it on pretty thick. Oh, he, he does. He really does. It's yeah. very dramatic.
0: Yeah. But Norm essentially apologizes. Like, he realizes that Cliff has felt left out. And he says, you know, you're not second best, you're aces. And so he asks Cliff to shoot pool. At this point, George, the Norm's new friend, comes back. And it essentially says, you know, apparently like he just kind of lost him at the game or whatever, was looking for him afterwards, something like that. Something to the effect that he wasn't, you know, just like leaving him high and dry when he saw his other friends. He wants Norm to go out for burgers. And Norm starts to go. And then we hear Cliff just moan. <laughs> He's like leaning against the woodwork at the bar or on the side of, you know, the hallway by the bar. And Norm kind of relents and declines to go with George because he cre- agreed to play pool with Cliff. And, you know, George has been talking about going for burgers and how these are the best burgers in town or whatever. So then when Norm comes back, we have Cliff try to buddy up to George. Now, did you think that he really was going to go? Because Cliff denies he's going to go. But what did you think? Did you think he would have gone?
1: I don't know. I kind (laughs) of took it. I kind of took it like he was just trying to play one over on Norm and be kind of petty. Yeah. But they kind of leave it up in the air. It's kind of hard to tell his real motive, I think.
0: They do. Yeah, it's sort of, it's interesting. It kind of, I think that part subverts the expectation because it sort of seems like Norm is going to forsake Cliff and go with George for the burgers, but he stays. And then we see Cliff kind of get in, try to get in with George to go for burgers. I I guess I agree with you that that Cliff is kind of trying to not get back at Norm, but sort of show him maybe what that felt like. But at the same time, I think the betrayal of a friendship is kind of possibly Cliff's, Cardinal sin, if you can describe him as having a cardinal sin. So it's interesting because it is left up in the air, like that possibility. And there's a moment too you have to tell me if you notice this, when Norm and Cliff are going to play pool, and Cliff is talking about putting <laughs> how he can now put the fat end of the pool stick up his nostrils. And Norm kind of looks back at the door as George is leaving and then, you know, it's almost like he's weighing his options and then he follows Cliff and's like, oh, yeah, the, you know, on your nose or whatever. And, like makes a comment about it. So he's he's choosing to kind of to stay friends with Cliff rather than going after this, like, new, more interesting friend. And it's nobody like, there's no audience laughter. There's no it's not necessarily a funny moment. I guess it could have been. But it's just a quick sort of yeah. con- like, contemplating look. But I thought that that was important.
1: Yeah. I did notice that. You're right. It is important, and it's also kind of mysterious because it was whatever it was intended to be kind of got missed in the shuffle, I think, in mm-hmm. terms of whether it was supposed to be a comedic moment or a, I don't necessarily think it was supposed to be a, a true out-and-out dramatic moment, but, yeah. you know, whether they were looking for a laugh, I mean, they didn't get it, so. Right,
0: right, Cause I, it, that's what I thought at first. I'm like, oh, people are going to laugh, and then they didn't, so it just it took on a different tone at that point. It was just kind of another interesting interesting relationship choice in the episode so at this point coach is wondering if Sam has ordered more olives and Carla just perks up at this where's Sam <laughs> you <know, and> she <laughs> makes this whole show about Sam not being back yet yeah. and then like runs to the door because Dianes talking about, he's probably coming at any minute you know she runs to the door to, to greet my boss as he comes through the door and Sam sure enough like comes through the door which I I enjoyed that I thought that that was well played because Carla's pretty yeah. stunned at this point. Yeah, me yeah. too. And so Sam guesses that Diane's heard about the ski weekend. For me, I don't know what you think about this, but I think that this is the point when Diane is pretty much dishonest and hiding her knowledge. You know, I mean, it's still mm-hmm. Sam that started all of this whole thing, but I think it's at this point that she's becoming more emotionally manipulative because at the beginning, I may be able to forgive that she's like, oh, he thinks he's gonna do that. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. I could see that because it's the initial reaction but this is almost planned.
1: Yeah. I agree with you. It definitely does cross the line to what might have been passive aggressive to out and out emotionally manipulative and mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's a game and you can tell she's getting some sort of high off of it, right? I mean, right. it's like a superiority kind of thing for her as yes. as we well know, but yes. Yeah.
0: I think that's it exactly. And she's saying that, you know, if he were going to lie about the weekend, he'd have come up with something smarter than a funeral because she can check the death notices, you know, (laughs) because he's insisting he's going to the funeral. He just wants Diane to feel okay about him being gone and so forth. When she says this about how she can check the death notices, you know, he kind of, he's obviously uneasy, but he leaves again. And he says, like, well, I've got a, great, I've got a funeral waiting for me. And then Coach says, don't we all? (laughs) Ah, yes I, that I was a great
1: that. I wrote that one down that was again his not just the line his delivery he's just like mm-hmm. reading the paper or flipping through something he's like don't we all it's just I it was great delivery <laughs> I thought so too
0: fun. and the thing I liked about there's this and then one other comment he has later on that I think are really kind of they're funny but they're wise whereas you know he's been funny and had great lines early in the episode but he's kind of acted befuddled it's been more of that befuddled humor or is this like the don't we all it's sort of like I know what life is like.
1: Right. And he really does. Yeah. He very quickly pivots between that kind of befuddled, confused guy to this wise sage. He still gets the point wrong, but in doing Mm -hmm. so, as we've talked about, he unwittingly reveals some sort of human wisdom, you know, and I like how they tow that line with him as a character. It's fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Sam's leaving. Diane insists to Carla that Sam's going to be back within the hour. And we have the next scene starting with the broken glass on the floor. And we know that coach has missed the record. And he says, damn tropical drinks. Throws banana peel. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yeah, in his his pride, and his hubris, he has basically ruined his own attempt at the record. But then he perks up and comes back and he says he has a record he's very proud of. 11 consecutive days without starting a major fire. I mean, it's kind of silly, it's kind of funny, but I like the spirit of it, you know? He's just kind of celebrating whatever is there to to find happiness in, I guess. And then Carla comes up. I love the way Carla says Diane, that Diane, you know, as she approaches her. And just, I love the way she says her name. And She says it's almost closing time. So she's provoking again, and then again, Sam... Is gonna return, like you said. Like, Carla is, I think she's well used in this episode, and she's fun. This glee and this kind of high spirited mockery, I thought, was really entertaining.
1: Mm-hmm. It uh, really was. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then Carla walks past Sam. She's got an empty mug that she hands him, and she's like, "Alms, alms to the dink," you know. <laughs> so she <laughs> hands this this mug to Sam, and then Sam is, you know, they're kind of they cross paths, and then Sam keeps walking, and when he passes by Coach. Coach puts a coin in and says, poor devil. <laughs> and that was sort of the second coach. I don't know if wise is the right word, but just like the funeral, that don't we all? I thought it was kind of a knowing line, poor devil. Because Sam is in hot water at this point. Exactly. And Sam is uh, angry that Diane doesn't believe him. She's playing naive again. And she's you know saying something about how it's so late that he's going to miss his uncle's funeral in the morning. And he has the line about how do you expect me to enjoy a funeral when you're making me nuts like this? And he says, you know, that he's been on the road so many times, they've changed the sign to Welcome to Vermont, Sam.
1: <laughs> I like that. I thought that was kind of clever of Sam. Yeah. Um, he's got some good lines in all this. Yeah. It's, a, it's a little frustrating, again, probably just because it's yet another Sam and Diane show, Sam and Diane game. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that above all might be what kind of strains it for me. But, yeah. you know, he does get a few good lines in there. <laughs> yeah. And he pretty much escalates at this point. I mean, the
0: entire episode, he's been sort of in this up, almost like a slightly less than manic mode. But when he starts going on about, he's accusing her of accusing him of being a liar. And then he basically gives himself away by admitting he made up the story about his uncle's funeral. You know, by asking, saying something about you called. Like, oh, you you did. So you know that, there's no Nathan Malone and says something like, what a stupid name, Nathan Malone. (laughs) And he basically just ruins his entire, not that it was a good lie in the first place, but he ruins it. So I just, Mm -hmm. the entire thing makes me tense. The Sam and Diane, the fighting, arguing, like everything that they both are putting into this relationship makes me kind of tense. But I do think that he does a great job with this kind of like high energy escalation that he's doing
1: tense that the way you just described it tense is a great that that says a lot for me that's a great Mm -hmm. way to say it Uh, tense and yet for me also a bit bored (laughs) it's tense but because I because I'm tense I lose interest in it I think because it does feel like yet another one of their little childish games and Mm -hmm. they're getting old I guess
0: (laughs) that's how I I mean that's how I feel a lot of I I don't want to impugn all of season two because i I still love it but i I agree and i think about that through a lot of these episodes and certainly by the time we get to this point it is for me too the type of tension that's i I guess some people become really engaged in that but i tend to tune out and i just don't find it compelling you know i mean again like their performances are compelling and i feel like there are definitely things to analyze here but i'm not just swept away
1: by this relationship by any means I I would agree with that. I think part of it, too, is this is kind of on the episode as a whole. It seems like, you know, we've talked about the episodes where the Sam and Diane relationship is the plot is at the forefront of everything. And then there's Mm -hmm. episodes. Sometimes I think the, the better episodes are where their their relationship is featured, but it's not the only thing about the episode. It's not the main point or the main plot. Here it is, the main plot. And it seems like it's not very it's not a good enough subject to build an episode on if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. That makes a lot of you sense. Know? It's it's, their, it's this game. Nothing really happens outside of their little back and forth. Right. And so to me, it doesn't seem like it's, it's substantial enough to, to have been the, the plot.
0: And it doesn't seem to me that the relationship has really grown any other than just becoming more negative, whereas at the beginning there were the negative parts in the fighting, but it was this kind of, you know, had this lovey-dovey veneer as well. Uh-huh. So now it's more, to me, like more tense. And then, you know, also because of the, the way that it's, there's, I don't know, again, like going back to the idea of it, like not being that deep and Diane's trying to make it seem deep. It's that, kind of like, that's... oh, another one of those, but it's like the biggest example of another one of those episodes. Mm-hmm. So Diane, you know, Diane tells him she didn't call. This is when he's having his escalation about how now she, you know, she knows that there's no Nathan Malone. And Sam says something about like, He's saying he looks like an idiot. And then he says, he tries this lie. I guess you could call it a lie. <laughs> it's so poor. I don't even know if I would call it that. About how I work for the government. I'm on the top secret mission for my country. And she's like, you're an idiot. And like, saying, no, that's just my cover. So this is like Sam just grasping at straws, I feel like, at this point.
1: Yeah, it's like, why, Not are, we, dealing why with are we continuing with this? You've already mm-hmm. been found out. What is, what is the point? That's where it really got strained for me. And I, I got impatient with it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And then Sam tells her, like, you've been, she, she basically, you know, she kind of sort of comes clean. And he says, when she says, like, you've been playing games with me all day, too. She says, you're right. Don't you think you deserve it? So, yeah, neither of them are savory characters in this episode. But for whatever reason, Diane bothers me more, <laughs> even though Sam is the one that started to lie in the first place. Because it is, it's like that superiority thing. And then, you know, he's telling her that she's talking to him like a child.
1: Oh, she is. I mean, and and I liked when he called her out on that. You know, Mm -hmm. this whole mothering—it's—it's so true. And I mean, we've seen it time and again. She's Mm -hmm. very patronizing to him, and some of the things she says—it's just like, oh, how do you stand this? You know, it's—I don't—I don't don't know how he personally does stand it. And this is hardly the first time that she's treated him that way.
0: So she takes this different tone. She calls him slime. You know, so they get into a real fight, and he says, "You made me lie to you." So. I don't. I I mean, I don't like Sam's behavior either in the episode, but I think it's also him avoiding confrontation, which seems to be something that he, (laughs) that that Sam does. You know, he doesn't seem to want like outright confrontation between people, and he says it would have been a semi-harmless ski weekend with his buddies. He's already explained the thing about like how he, if he were, what was it he said about fooling around? Like there wasn't that much fooling around, and since he's not doing this, there's going to be even less or none or whatever. So he's just kind of like, you know, early in the episode he said that. And then here he's talking about how it would be semi-harmless. So then Diane kind of escalates that and says she doesn't care if he fools around with every woman in Vermont. And he says he will. It's like, how did this escalate so quickly? Oh,
1: it's you what know? they do, though. It's, it, I know. It is. It's just <laughs> in the flash of an eye. It's, it's just the to of 60 with these two.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's yeah. exhausting.
0: Yes, it is. Because then he says something about how he's going to have every girl in Vermont, even the Bowsers. <laughs> which I guess I should find that offensive, but I don't. I think it's kind of funny. And then she's like, well, have all of New England, you know? So, I mean, they're really, it's an all-in-out, you know, verbal mm-hmm. kind of brawl, I guess. And Sam is leaving. Diane threatens Sam with an affair with the box boy at the market where she grocery shops. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this entire episode, and really in general, she kind of feigns being this moralist that she really isn't. And she's describing this box boy as a cinema youth who always wants to carry my bags, if you know what I mean. And I will say, I thought that she delivered that line that <laughs> in a was very wry her. Yeah, her and funny good. way. I love that. Yeah. 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 And Sam says he'll try hard to give a damn and walks out. And then we have Coach. I feel like Coach has rescued a lot of these scenes in this episode. He's like, holy f- mackerel, I forgot to ask him about the olives. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like In the middle of drama, Coach is going to have some sort of question about a you know, some sort of supply that they're missing or question he needs to ask and whatnot. He just kind of takes everything in stride. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) So, you know, they all at this point, Carla, Norm, Diane, everybody thinks Sam is coming back. And they're all saying, you know, what time, How? you know, within the hour or 10 minutes or five minutes or whatever. So he comes back immediately and he's like, a box boy? And that's the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... To that, I, I, one thing I said is like I don't understand. I mean, I, it's her character, but I don't understand why Diane likes to play these sort of relationship one-upmanship games. Which, and I said it makes me tense. It's almost like she has to have like this man or that one, yeah. either Sam or the box boy. And it reminds me in a way of the end of season one when she was, you know, or we talked about that at that time with Sam's brother. It's like, oh, I gave up Derek, but then now you're telling me that you know this after I gave up Derek. So it's kind of like the either or. And the other thing I thought about that, when you mentioned her you know, trying to make herself superior, is that it seems like she makes herself either the kind of inferior person or the superior partner in a relationship, like in a romantic relationship. Because, you know, with Sumner and with sort of academics and intellectuals, at the beginning and then like going forward in the series, she kind of puts herself in a lower position, but then she has to set herself up as superior to Sam. So it's like the men she goes for are like way above her or like her perceived like where she is or below her like a box boy who would she would probably compare to like Sam's level.
1: Yeah.
0: Whereas Sumner is like better than her. So there's just no there's no equal footing that she's really on with somebody. Mm-hmm. Did you have any other any other thoughts about the any of the plots or any of the characters?
1: I like I said I I don't feel like the latest edition of Sam and Diane the game I don't I I don't feel like it was substantial enough to warrant this being the episode and so it felt strained in parts I felt Mm -hmm. a little confused by the fact that you know we were just keeping this whole charade going of uh, right why where he was wanting to go and what lie he was coming up with and the fact that she was letting him get away with it and I I mean, I don't know. It it was just it was all over the place, and I I didn't enjoy it. I didn't think that overall this was that that great of of an episode. Honestly, as mm-hmm. always, there's some good lines or some good moments, but for me, it this one fell pretty flat.
0: Yeah, there are a couple things that I teased out thematically, and I think it was more just to find because I think there is something to the episode that's worthwhile. But I I agree. I don't think the Sam and Diane plot. It didn't hold my interest. I don't find it substantial for an episode. And yeah, I just, but I will say the couple things I was going to mention are that in this episode, it seems like everyone's hoped for experience fails. So, you know, Sam is trying to go on this ski trip and he's sabotaging himself in a way. But that experience of that weekend fails. Norm has found this new friend and is having these fun adventures and then essentially chooses to go back and be friends with Cliff, you know. So that experience fails. Mm-hmm. Coach is trying to set this record for the fewest number of glasses broken, and he fails. Carla is thrilled that Sam is leaving on the ski trip, and that it's going to be at Diane's expense, and so she's kind of gleeful about that for most of the episode. But then that fails, and we even start with the phone call with Anne Marie being held back a grade. So it's kind of like
1: everything
0: just does not work out. Yeah, so you're
1: all around. everyone's failing that would have been a good title for the episode everyone fail
0: yeah yeah that's good I like that so I I mean I I appreciate that I wouldn't say that it makes me just like want to go back and revisit this over and over again but I appreciate that and then I also I, I think there's a maybe a comparison to be made between Sam and Norm kind of foregoing these sort of shiny experiences to stay in these more mundane relationships or to make something okay in this relationship with really like a relationship partner for Sam, his girlfriend, and for Norm, his friend Cliff, that is Mm -hmm. not always (laughs) like the greatest partner in the world, let's say. So they're kind of choosing these old friendships or old relationships over some like new activity. I thought that was, it's it's an interesting, like, I mean, we can't, certainly can't say that Sam is loyal in this episode. And I think that's another reason why I don't like the episode that much is because, you know, I I prefer to have, for all of Sam's faults, I think he has a lot of good qualities and I'd prefer to see more of them, but I think that there is that pull of him back to the bar that's, you know, to stay loyal to the chosen relationship. So
1: right.
0: those are the parallels that I pulled
1: out. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot going on and, and mm-hmm. like I said, you know, it, it's always fun when you do a deep dive like we've just done into some of those themes that you don't notice unless you really do analyze it. Um, yeah. So yeah those are fun i i don't know mm-hmm. i i definitely feel like the season is kind of waning down a bit this was i don't know felt a little phoned in for me
0: <laughs> do you think that's also because to the point that we were talking about earlier on the way that it's narrated it's almost like because sam isn't really a character in the episode until the end he's pretty much narrating like dis- he's the dishonest narrator you know or sort of unreliable mm-hmm. even though we know he's unreliable. But he's kind of coming in and he's telling about his experience rather than having him be a primary character in the show, which is really different than the usual way that he's a part of things. And I wonder Mm -hmm. if that gives it even more of a like a phoned in feel is that he's just kind of coming in and he's in this high anxiety mode throughout the whole episode.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. I mean, as a character, he doesn't really have anything to do, Mm -hmm. you know, true character. For most of the episode, he comes in late. You know, this is I feel like one of the few episodes where he's absent for the first several minutes of the episode. Yeah, exactly. Sam is, you know, and obviously there's a there's a point to it, but it it felt different. Mm-hmm. Just knowing right off the bat where's Sam, you know, <laughs> that's one thing I thought of. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a good point you bring up about the whole unreliable narrator thing and the fact that he really is just a plot device for most of the episode, right. as opposed to being you know the the good character that he that he really is. So right.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I guess it. I mean, I want to like it, but I feel like they're parts. It's like an episode that never really gets started in a way. You know, like I, I don't know. The story just doesn't. Does that make sense? I don't know if yeah. that makes sense no, or not. It no, it it's does. Like, it's I mean, like I think we're on the same page. Never get into there's, what's going on.
1: Yeah, I think we're on the same page here. There's a lot. There's a lot to say about it. Not, not most of it's probably not overwhelmingly positive. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, there. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I do, and I agree. It's yeah like i appreciate it more than i enjoy it mm. so. yeah it gets into kind of like you know why what why do you watch the show why do you watch any show you know is it is it you know laugh out loud funny is it the entertaining factor versus something that you can appreciate more you know you can appreciate anything mm-hmm. a good film but it doesn't mean that you want to watch that film again and again or that you get a sense of enjoyment from it right you yeah. know <laughs> yeah but yeah right that's good point
0: but yeah, there it is kind of leading into the toward the end of the season, you know, the final run of episodes. So yeah. if you don't have anything else, I guess we will leave it with that.
1: That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.